Welcome to Perspectives on Youth Sports. I'm Tony Segreto. Join us as we discuss the impact of youth sports with some of the great leaders of business, entertainment, and sports. To learn more, visit TonySegretoSports.com. And now for today's show. We are so honored to have our guest today, Stan Wilcox, the Athletic Director at Florida State University. Uh, he is such a great story to tell. Grew up in New York, wanted to be uh, either Tom Seaver or Walt Frazier or Earl Monroe. A great basketball player as a youth, uh, became a legend on the New York playgrounds of basketball and literally had his choice of any school he wanted to go to and he wound up with Digger Phelps at Notre Dame. In fact, his freshman year, he went to the Final Four. But his dream of playing in the NBA just wasn't meant to be, so what would he be? He decided to throw as much effort into academics, as you will hear, as he did into his athletics. After graduating Notre Dame, he became a deputy director of athletics for his alma mater, was at the Big East for 11 years as an associate commissioner, and then from there went to Duke as a senior deputy director of athletics and now finds himself as the athletic director at Florida State. We sat down and talked about his role as an AD for his coaches, for his players, and how he likes to create champions of character. We feel like there's such a, a kind of the, the balance has swayed to a side where it's winning at all costs. Uh, parents are spending an enormous amount of money for lessons, um, moving one child in and out of different high schools already because they want they want to be have them to be on the better team. They bring them in, you know, very expensive showcases. Everyone thinking that their son's going to play or daughter's going to play or be in the Olympics or play on Sunday or whatever. I have to believe that Stan, you grew up playing basketball in New York. I mean, it's storied, the stories go on and on and on about the battles in the playgrounds of New York basketball. I have to believe that when you were growing up, you thought to yourself, wow, I, there's no way I'm not gonna be Walt Frazier or Earl Monroe, and that's, that's my idea. Yeah, um, you know, uh, uh, I had the, ex, uh, the, the great experience of growing up in New York during a time when uh, the the Mets won the national cha- won the, uh, the World Series in '69, the Knicks I believe won the NBA championship in it was either '70 or '69, the Jets won. Uh, so I had uh, all my um, uh, as I would tell my wife who's from Philly, I said I, <laughs> well, <there are> <laughs> yes. I, I had all my uh, professional aspirations fulfilled as a fan at an early age. But at that same time, you know, you grow up emulating and wanting to emulate the, those uh, uh, those idols that you uh, created as a as a child uh, of those professional athletes and. I thought I was going to, uh, you know, maybe be the the next Tom Seaver, uh, and I thought that I would uh, be the next Earl of Pearl Monroe, or Dr. J, and uh, and so uh, yeah, I I um, so I I patterned and modeled and and tried to um, learn the moves that they made as as basketball players, and you you practice those on the court growing up and. And I was lucky. I, I became a pretty good 
basketball player. Um, I was actually a pretty good baseball player as well, but uh, I had an eighth grade co- coach that um, didn't have the greatest <laughs> time with, and so I then kind of moved and concentrated on basketball. And and uh, and, and in New York, basketball, you uh, earn your stripes. Um, not just in, in in high school and playing on you know uh, at the varsity level, etc. But then when you during the off seasons and you're playing on the playground with uh, you know uh, different kind of playground legends, because in New York you have so many great talent basketball players that that uh, don't even end up going to college, but uh, on the playground they were you know. They were the idols of the kids kind of growing up. And uh, so New York had some of the best basketball. And I, and I don't want I don't to say that they still don't, but had some, some of the best basketball. And, and uh, I got an opportunity uh, to, uh, to kind of experience that and, and uh, you know, was good enough that our high school team uh, won the state championship my senior year, and uh, that uh, obviously helped me uh, be uh, recruited by some of the top uh, schools around the country. And uh, being recruited by um, Syracuse and Jim Beheim and uh, and Rick Pitino at the time, and uh, Digger Phelps at Notre Dame, and uh, 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 just Rutgers, and uh, oh, just many schools, and uh, you know. Uh, I, I obviously ended up going to Notre Dame, playing at Notre Dame, and going there with um, four other very talented individuals from different parts of the country in Orlando Woods out of Louisiana, and Gilbert Salinas, the tallest Mexican in the world, out of uh, <laughs> San Antonio, Texas, uh, Tracy Jackson out of uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, and uh, a guy by the name of Kelly Trafuca out of, uh, out of New Jersey. Yeah. And so we we, we kind of coined ourselves, I think back then, maybe the original Fab Five. <laughs> <laughs> no, and no reason why you can't still coin that phrase. <laughs> But we, we, but we were uh, all, uh, you know, all Americans, and um, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I think we all felt that, and that was, we wanted to play with the best and play against the best in the country uh, as uh, collegiate athletes, and uh, and when you do that, um, you know, that obviously raises your your game. You become a better player, um, but you're also, um, you know. You, you're also sometimes the dream that you had as a kid, as I had as a kid growing up on the playgrounds, um, wanting to be that Clyde Frazier or wanting to be that Earl Pearl Monroe or wanting to have that afro and swoop through the air like Dr. J, you know. <laughs> Those uh, those those individuals were really, really incredible athletes. And... Um, Sometimes that doesn't uh, carry over to everybody that uh, looks to emulate them. And, and uh, there came a time in my career at Notre Dame where uh, I realized that, uh, that uh, I'm not going to be that, uh, that Dr. J or that, uh, that next Earl the Pearl Monroe. And, uh, and if I'm not going to be them and I'm going to not going to be able to play in the, in, at the professional level at all, you know, then what am I going to be? And that's when, the, for me, the light came on. 
And for so many kids, I think sometimes the light either doesn't come on or it comes on too late. But uh, going, through, um, going through the collegiate process, um, you become, you, at least I came to realize, that I was at a very prestigious, highly academic institution that gave me an opportunity to participate in athletic, athletics at the highest level while competing in the classroom with some of the best and brightest individuals across the country academically. And that's when I, that's when I start realizing I'm not just here to really compete on the playing field. I'm here to compete in the classroom as well. And if I don't take up that challenge in the classroom, then I'm losing out on, uh, on this collegiate experience. And so that's when, um, that's when I really start buckling down uh, in my academics and uh, realizing probably how much I let go by uh, because I only had X amount, of, X amount more years remaining that I wanted to get as much knowledge as I possibly could out of that university. Right. A couple of things. Was it, first of all, was it difficult? when you made that realization to say, oh, goodness me, I'm not going to be what I thought I was going to be, and now I've got to figure out what in the world I am going to do. Was it a difficult decision to make? And once you did make it, uh, you know, having the right attitude is was paramount. Yes. Oh, it was, it was really, really a difficult uh, decision um, because, you know, it's, it's a it, – and, and I would say it was a, a – a, becoming more mature because I think uh, the decision was, well, I'm not going to lay down. I'm going to still go out and compete as hard as I can every day at practice. And if I get an opportunity to get in the game, in the game. But at the same time, I wanted to, I, I realized I had to transform or take that same kind of energy that I was putting into the athletic side of things. I got to put that on the academic side of things. And uh, because, you know, once I let leave Notre Dame, if I want to continue my education, it's now on me to, <laughs> to, to pay for it, you know? And, uh, How am I do that? Uh, exactly. Uh, and so uh, it, it was a very difficult decision, but I would, I would say that it was more of a, a growing maturation process that I kind of went through at the time. Uh, as I as I use it, the light comes on, and and uh, and I talk to my kids today about that light has to come on earlier than later, and that's because I went through it, I experienced it, I uh, uh, I knew that if I can get as much out of Notre Dame from an academic perspective as I was putting into, and they were getting out of me from an athletics perspective, then the collegiate experience is well worth it and it was balanced um, that's uh, you know one of the things that I talk about in uh, you know in running an athletics department you know there are three major challenges and one of those challenges that I talk about is balance that's the student athlete balance between their academics and their athletics and they've got to learn how to strike the right balance while they're here because when you don't strike the right balance uh, and you're putting more in on one versus the other, then, then you are kind of shortchanging yourself. One of the things that, you know, I always, people always ask me, well, what's the job of an athletic director? 
And uh, I go, well, first of all, he or she, whoever that might be, is the CEO of the athletic department, you know, managing a big budget. I said, but they're sort of like the head coach of the coaches. They're in charge of the coaches. They're the ones bringing the coaches in, and they're the ones who kind of set the tone. With that in mind, uh, the more and more I I travel the country and talk to coaches and talk to recruiters, they're looking to recruit um, athletes of character. We talk a lot about in our youth athletic movement about creating champions of character. But it used to be that, so you have two, you have an athlete that's a great athlete but may be troubled, and another athlete that may not be as great but really, really good but doesn't have any trouble. It used to be in the past, so you were definitely taking the great athlete because that's who you wanted, that was going to help you to win. Nowadays, it it appears as if the swing is going toward, uh, I don't want the trouble, I don't want to have to worry about it. Yeah, I think that that is... uh Definitely, um, all coaches are taking that in consideration when they evaluate the talent that they're looking to bring onto their team and onto, and onto their uh, uh, being a part of their, I would say, program. As most most coaches nowadays realize that it's not just building a team; it's building a program because you're looking to um, you, your team this year is paving the way for the ones that are going to come behind them. Uh, And they're building and creating a legacy that uh, you want to build upon uh, a number of great things. And character is one of those things. Character has to permeate your, your, uh, your team and your program. And that starts with the leader. That starts with the, with the coach. So the coach is always going to be looking for great talent, but also, as you say, individuals that understand that they're coming there to be a part of a program in which they're looking to create and build, take men and women, uh, take, well, I would say girls and boys, and make them into men and women who, when they leave that program, they are now going to be great individuals in society. And so, um, so yeah, character nowadays is becoming very, very important. So much so that, uh, that uh, you know, we have specialists sometimes that come and work with our coaches so that they are able to identify great character when they see it. Sometimes, you know, for uh, these young athletes that we're recruiting, you're not going to be able to get it right away after just a one or two visits with them. But there are signs, there are things that you can um, pinpoint in determining whether or not somebody has good character. And that starts with the parents, really understanding and knowing the parents. And are they from a single household? Are they from a uh, a household with both the mother and father there are there in the household in which the mother and father are there and a grandparent is is there as well uh, how do they interact with their siblings uh, do they have other relatives that are uh, also a part of that in that person's lives and you're looking at the character of not only just that in, in one individual but the people that surround that individual and so um, those are becoming very, very important things for uh, our coaches who are, as I say, building their program. And they, they're building a program that uh, is on foundations that are based upon the type of character that you're bringing in to create your program. 
before we even started this interview and I told you what we were looking to do, um, you sort of shook your head and go, yeah, I know youth athletics is kind of really kind of getting out of whack here. Um, and every, again, mom and dad thinks their child is going to get a scholarship where there are there are a lot, I, when I talk to the people, moms and dads, I go, you know, there are a lot more academic scholarships available than there are athletic scholarships, first of all. So <laughs> um, what can you tell our audience, our moms and dads, and even coaches who are, who are coaching young people um, uh, about balance and about education and about how that helps them ultimately get to where they want to be? Sure. Um, you know, the... I know you so, have children, so I'm sure you're going oh, yeah. through this. <laughs> and and I have uh, 500 plus students who are my children <laughs> here right, too. Yeah. And uh, and uh, you, sometimes you you wail, you, you lay awake at night, uh, hoping that they're all doing the right things. Um, but um, you know, um, it's tough these days when uh, you know every parent would love to see their children. Uh, excel uh, uh, in the classroom as well as in, 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 in athletics. And I think we have um, a lot of parents who may not have been able to excel academically or athletically uh, as they were coming up, and uh, they're trying to teach their children um, how to uh, maybe make it where they were unable to make it. And then you also find a lot of parents who are kind of living them, their life over again vicariously through their children. Um, and that could be a, a double-edged sword sometimes because um, you never really want to um, impose something on your children that is not something that they want for themselves. Uh, because uh, I, I, I find that in the end, it's sometimes it's going to come back and haunt you. It's going to backfire on you. You want to make sure that your children um, get the exposure to various different sports and uh, various different uh, um, academic forms of study, so that they can make kind of the choices that they want to make. Um, and I think that's where we run into some problems these days with, with parents because they're starting to really direct their kids into certain avenues. And they're then telling them, this is how, if you want to become the next pro, this is what you're going to have to do. This is how you have to do it. And... Um, that sometimes, at least in my estimation, is, um, can be very damaging to, to kids uh, that uh, are not able to kind of buy into and, and uh, uh, own their own decisions or, or own what it is that they really want to do. So you might have somebody that's really being pushed into a particular sport and they're really just concentrating on that sport and nowadays they have these sports that are doing things year round they don't even do kind of the cross sports i used to play baseball during baseball season basketball during basketball season football and, yep. and play yep. soccer yep. but but now it's like you pick a sport and it's year round and maybe that works for the very very minute few 
but for the majority of the kids, you know, I see them getting burnt out, and I and I see them not enjoying, I think, the full breath of being young and, and being able to kind of explore and, and participate uh, in these different levels, uh, different sports. And you, and you also start seeing it manifest itself through injuries because of the fact that they're maybe not getting that cross um, experience in various different sports. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm hoping I'm not drifting too too far off, no, but, but I but I think what I, I think what what I, what I've witnessed is that uh, you know for uh, if if you're really interested in uh, your son or your daughter um, participating and getting to participate uh, in athletics at the collegiate level, um, you know, I I think it's it's best not to uh, try to get into the year-round one-sport type thing. Uh, I think the kids that really excel, that um, uh, that come uh, and participate at the collegiate level in in a, in a particular sport, are those those students, student athletes that had more than one sport that they participated in, because there are some skills, skill sets that you can get from soccer that really helps you with your footwork in basketball. There are skill sets that you can get from basketball that are so helpful in the sport of football. And and those, if you talk to, if you go and talk to, I think uh, a lot of the uh, individuals that end up going on and playing professional, professionally, you'll find that they were more than one sport athletes. And, uh, and that's because they were able to adapt to a different sport that used different types of muscles, that used different types of, uh, of movements that where you have to think differently. And, uh, and then the skills that you learned in one sport carried over into another sport. And that helped you become even better in those, in those particular sports. And then eventually you become the best <laughs> in, a, in one sport, and, and that helps you then become uh, an athlete. We really, I think, in this society have, uh, be, uh, because uh, professional athletics, uh, athletes are getting, they, they get paid very well <laughs> and they make a great career. And I think uh, a lot of us uh, see that as an avenue of, of, of uh, a means to an end in a sense. And, 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 and I think that the, we have to put the focus back on um, the academic side of things, because at least in the collegiate, at the collegiate level, it's all about, I think, the balance that you need to bring to the collegiate athletics, and that balance has to do with playing at the highest level and doing your best athletically, while doing that same, doing the same in the in the classroom, because as I tell my student athletes. In that classroom, the person that's sitting right next to you, they're competing against you because you, they want to be number one in their class. They want to be the valedictorian. They want to be, you know, because they're going to then be recruited by those large, in, those industries out there. They're, they're going to be recruiting that individual. And that individual, they're going to be doing a lot better years down the road when your physical body can no longer participate allow you to participate in your sport so don't 
take academics lightly. Don't take lightly the competition in the classroom. You have to compete in the classroom at the same level that you compete on the playing field because you are also competing against that regular student that's next to you who may have more time to study and put in the, the hours, but you've got to find those hours and, and, and do the same. You've got to take the skill set that you learn on the playing field and utilize that to get the knowledge and wisdom that the university has to offer. Because when your playing days are over, you want to be able to also compete for the top jobs that are out there. A great word. I, I couldn't put it better myself, and uh, that's one of the things that we are, are continuing to strive to accomplish and mentor and guide parents and coaches alike. What a pleasure to meet you and to have you on Tony Segreto Sports and this podcast, Perspectives in Youth Athletics. Um, we're very thankful for your time, and, and we, we love the word you gave. And, um, you know, to, just to be a part of what we're trying to accomplish is an honor to us. So, so thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you, Tony. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, I really enjoyed myself. And a very special thank you to Stan Wilcox, a special man doing great things at Florida State. To learn more about the impact of youth sports in your community and our future, visit TonySegretoSports.com. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter at TSegretoSports. I'm Tony Segreto with Perspectives on Youth Sports. Thank you for listening.